0: to 2024. Yes. Yes. I'm Rosalie. I'm Robert. And we're here to share with you the Lord's Word, uh, song, and jibber-jabber. We have quite a long break, we realize that, but the crud kind of hit our household. So we went ahead and went down with the crud. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, the crud took us down.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're just getting back on our feet. So we are so glad to be back with you, though, for the beginning of of a fabulous, marvelous new year. We're also, today we'll be doing, uh, reading a scripture, talking about the scripture, uh, singing a song, talking about the song, (laughs) and we want to introduce to you on that song, uh, Phil Floor will be playing lead guitar, and um, he's fabulous, absolutely fabulous lead guitarist. And again, modern technology, what can I say, Phil has not ever, well, no, he's never, never been, been in, here, never been in this studio with us, and yet he's collaborated on music with us. My goodness, yeah. I can't imagine that we would have be been able to do that years ago, but now we can. So, uh, you're gonna love him. I know you're gonna love him. We also have a reading from the book,
1: Chapter 26 of America's Trojan War.
0: Yes, so. Looks like we've got a lot to oh, do. Oh,
1: man. We better Buckle get started, up. Robert. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to start out today in um, Matthew chapter 14. And it's, it's kind of a long passage, but it's one I think everybody's familiar with. Uh, it, it's got a title in the Bible calls Walking on Water. And, you know, this is right after he fed the thousands of people with a couple fishes and loaves and stuff. says, so, as soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so that he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile... The boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them, and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared to death. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. Now, you can imagine that. No, uh, no it's pretty hard to imagine. somebody. Walk, we've all seen paintings and things like that of Jesus walking on the water, so we can kind of imagine it. But they never saw anything like that. I mean, you know, never heard anything. We've grown up on stories of it. But he says, but Jesus was quick to comfort.
0: Even though we have heard of it, I don't know that we'd recognize it.
1: If we saw someone walking on the water? If we saw
0: Jesus walking on the water, I don't know. Just because we've heard of it, I think it'd scare the crap out of us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'd be crapless? Oh, my God. You know, well... uh, I don't know if it would scare us or, you know, if if Jesus was walking around here on Earth, which, you know, he's here in spirit, you know, but if he was walking around on Earth, uh, I don't know. I can't imagine, we can't, we're not in that situation. If I saw somebody else walking on water, I'd be pretty startled. You know, I've tried to walk on water, but I sink. Yeah. I've tried it, you know, it doesn't work for me. You know, although I have read stories about people who have walked on water, and. In other countries, they say, people have, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I've never seen it. it. says, but Jesus, when everybody's screaming and yelling, oh, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. It says, Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. And, of course, Peter is right there, the patron saint of I got my foot in my mouth. He yells out right away, Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water testing testing (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) And, and Jesus says come on ahead and jumping out of the boat Peter walked down the water to Jesus full of faith but when he looked down at the waves, churning beneath his feet, uh-huh. he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried out, now this is the shortest prayer in scripture. Master, save me. Of course, we just saw another miracle right there. Uh-huh. Besides walking on water, he started to sink. I don't know if you've ever tried to step on water. I never started to sink, I just sank. <laughs> But here, Peter, he starts to sink. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, fate of heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus, saying, this is it. You are the Son of God for sure. Now, think about it. Here's Peter. Loses his nerve, starts to sing, prays the shortest prayer. Jesus takes his hand. He had to walk back to the boat. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't take his hand and immediately they were in the boat. He had to walk back in faith. You know, and here's the thing, though. All through the scriptures and, and the gospels, there's many, many places where Jesus is telling the, the apostles and the disciples things and it says off to the side they didn't know what he was talking about <laughs> they had no idea what he meant by raised from the dead what do you mean what does that mean sure. you know yeah. and there's other places you know where it, it says the apostles didn't believe matter of fact even after the resurrection when uh, Mary, Aunt Mary Magdalene and them all came and said Jesus rose from the dead the angels just told us they, ah, we don't believe any of that You know, there are places over and over again where the apostles didn't believe. But at this place, they see him walking on water. They see him lead Peter back to the boat. They see him step in the boat, and immediately the the storm goes away, the waves settle down, the wind stops. Then they say, this is it. You are the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to compare that to Matthew 12, in verse 38, because it's interesting. Okay, we're talking first about the the apostles, the disciples, the people following Jesus, his chosen, you know, people. It says in twelve thirty-eight it says, Later a few religion scholars and Pharisees cornered him, meaning Jesus, and said, Teacher, we want to see your credentials give us some hard evidence that God is in this. How about a miracle? They want a miracle. Jesus at this point says, well, the only miracle you're going to get is the miracle of Jonah. Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of a whale. The Son of Man will be three days and nights in this, the belly of the earth. You know. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it. But it was like, well, show us a miracle and we'll believe. And and we think in this passage, when we read it, we're thinking, oh, those hard-hearted Pharisees, you know, those hard-hearted uh, scholars, they, they had to demand and see a, a miracle to believe. Well, here's the apostles who kept saying, didn't get it. I don't get it. What's that? What's he talking about? They I see didn't know a, that I would have. They see a miracle, then they believe.
0: Yeah.
1: So they were no really no different than the Pharisees. right? You know, and... Look at us today. How many of us are waiting to see a miracle or some miraculous thing before we're willing to commit ourselves and give ourselves to Jesus? Many people are. Really? I believe so. I mean, many people. I mean, think of all the people. Most of the people we know personally don't really give their heart to Jesus. What are they waiting for? I mean, most of them have grown up in churches, you know, our age group anyhow and and near there, grew up in churches or uh, exposed to Christian culture, you know, may have read the Bible and things, gone to Sunday school or CCD or whatever it was, you know, and yet they really don't believe. They may follow the traditions of their brand of Christianity, they may, you know, go through the ceremonies and everything like that. And if you ask them, well, are you a Christian? They're going to say, well, I'm a Catholic. I'm a, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Lutheran. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll tell you what brand they are. But if you ask somebody who's a real Christian, are you a Christian? I mean, usually they're going to say something, say, yeah, I'm saved. I believe in Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. I've been born again. You know, I mean, it's some kind of testimony. And so what are they waiting for? Are they waiting for, you know, Jesus to appear in the sky? Are they waiting for, you know, what? I don't know. You know, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know that they're waiting for Jesus to appear in the sky because I don't know that they they're they think that's even going that. Right. You know, it's like how many people we've talked to, we say, you know, uh, even on their deathbed, and ask them, do you know whether you're going to heaven or not? Well, I can't know that.
0: That's for God to decide not me. Yeah. And that's I mean, the typical answer I always
1: get. Yeah, I know. I mean, and here, you know, the Bible tells us we should have a surety yes. of our salvation. And if we don't have a surety of our salvation, I mean, what do we got? We got a wonderment. We got a, I, I, maybe I'm saved. I mean, you know, I might be. know, usually those are the people who are thinking, well, the good that I've done in life will outweigh the bad that I've done in life. Mm-hmm. So that way I'll get in this, you know, but God isn't, God is not run in heaven on a merit system. He's not. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, you know, it, it's like when he looks into our heart, what he's looking for is the heart of Jesus.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And if we don't have his heart, yes. if we don't have him within us, if we are not within him, mm. I don't believe there's any way we get into heaven. There's, there's no possible way. You can't do it. You know, because no human being has ever measured up or will ever measure up. No human being can live the entire law or be a perfect person. Only Jesus has done that. You know, so we have to be a member of the body of Christ so that when we stand before the throne, God looks at us and he sees Jesus.
0: Amen.
1: You know, and so what I really thought of and wanted to point out with this scripture, is that people say, "Show it to me, and I will believe." Mm-hmm. And faith says, "I'll believe, and then they'll see it." You know. Uh, so that's what I got. Well, thank you for
0: that. Oh, that's God. pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, I, it, it has had an effect on my life. I
0: know it has. You
1: know, been. I had there were some miraculous things that happened to me at the beginning of my my walk. But it wasn't a miracle that made me believe, it was the Word of God that, that brought me to belief. You know, and uh, I would encourage anyone out there who has any doubts at all, or wonders, or you know, am I saved? What? Read the Word of God. Read the four Gospels, and read the epistles, and- And, and try to live them. Try to live them, you've gotta live them if yeah, you, you, know. you can't
0: just read them, you no.
1: Put them into your life. Amen. Work them into your life, yes. yes. You know, but that's where life is. It's in the Word of God. And you want to see a miracle, become saved by the Word of God, and you'll see a miracle in you. Amen. Because I know I've seen a miracle in me. Me too. Amen. In me. Amen. Amen. So, Hallelujah. There's, there's thank the you, word for today.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Now we're going to move on to the the song. It's called, ah. you know, because people used to ask us, they say, what kind of Christian are you when we were out playing and yeah. traveling and preaching? Are you a Presbyterian? Are you a Catholic? Are you a, what kind of Christian are you, you know? We used to ended up with the idea of, well, we're be ready Christians.
0: Yes, I even had somebody at a, oh, I don't know, was it? I think it was when you were doing a book signing or something, and it came came up, oh, we were at a, you were speaking to a group of people. I had this one guy turn to me and ask me if I was um, a prepper. I said, no, I'm be ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so I used to, the way they used to ask me that, I'd say, well, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm yeah. not a prepper, I'm prepared.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: you, know, you know, and that's what this song is about, be ready. You know, because God doesn't tell us to be any certain kind of Christian, but he does tell us numerous <coughs> times, be ready. Amen. Because we never know when he's coming. He's going to come like a thief in the right. night. You know, be ready. And as we said before, this song is featuring Phil Floor and his fluid tones on the lead guitar. Hope you enjoy it. Bye-bye. Well, then, bye-bye. Just cut. <laughs> See you <quite>. later. Just, <laughs> <quite>. just <laughs> cut. Mom, <laughs> just cut. Mom, <laughs> just cut. I'm Waiting for the drop
0: Let's go. In for the beauty Yeah Robert's going to read a chapter from the book again, but prior to that, we want to make an announcement to you all. We have started a new business, uh, another new business. Uh-huh. We needed a place to, a way to sell our artwork. It was getting in my way when I would clean, <laughs> I would clean our art studio, and everything was stacked up everywhere. So I said to Robert, "We got to find a way to sell this stuff." So we have. We are. You can now go to theparadoxshop.com mm-hmm.
1: all one word the theparadoxshop.com
0: com. and you'll find our paintings and the nice thing is is that uh, you can buy originals and buy limited editions but you can also buy prints so anything you see out there you can get in a different size if you want it and there's a tool out there that puts it in your room you take a picture of the, the, your room, where you want to put the photo. And oh my goodness, it's so much fun. It'll
1: put the painting right there on your wall. You can see yeah. what it'll look like.
0: Exactly.
1: And it's also you can buy merchandise. Oh, like that's right. Coffee the cups and... Uh, T-shirts. T-shirts and, and tote and ba- bags. All kinds of stuff with the different paintings. Puzzles. Puzzles. Yes. Yeah, so we're very excited. It's uh, It's a real interactive... A website with a lot of of things you can do is at theparadoxshop.com. Okay, and
0: now we're going to go into Robert
1: reading the book. America's Trojan War.
0: Yes. Which
1: you can find at (laughs) Amazon.com. Just put in America's Trojan War, Dr. Robert Owens, click that clicker, and there you go. Okay, hope you enjoy it. Chapter 26, Victory at Any Cost. Having taken over the office of the base commander, President Parker was in conference with General Ed Brown, her chairman of the Joint Chiefs. They were poring over the latest satellite and AWACS photos when a lieutenant from the communications center knocked and entered. Madam President, here is a message from Admiral Davis, handing a single slip of paper to the president. It said, Fighters and bombers from the 5th and 6th Fleets have hit Raqqa, and every ISIS oil terminant and shipping point. The first wave has returned to their carriers, and the second wave is on the way. Between the waves, Tomahawk cruise missiles were launched and have hit every known ISIS military installation in their territory. As the lieutenant left, the president said, Get me the latest information on the four towns under attack and get me the overall commander of the battle in Washington on the horn. Yes, ma'am, the lieutenant said sharply as he left to carry out his orders. That's good news, Madam President. Feels good to finally hit these terrorists where they live. For months, I've been hearing how we were dropping more leaflets telling the jihadis we were going to bomb them than we would drop bombs. I think I can speak for everyone in the service that it feels good to have a commander-in-chief who isn't afraid to command, said General Brown. Who did you finally find to take command out back there, General, asked the President. General Brown answered, I promoted Colonel Rick Stamper, the commander of the Delta team in the North Atlantic Military Division, to Brigadier, and gave him overall command. He had already organized his Delta team and several SEAL teams from Hampton Roads and led an attack on one of the hospitals." I've looked over his service record, and if I could have picked him myself, I don't think I could have found a better man for the job. That's what we want, self-starters and people who want to bring the fight to the enemy. Get that new general on the horn. I want to talk to him, said the president. Mike Bender immediately left to relay her order to the communications room. Your orders are being carried out all along the line. The Apache Formations have intervened effectively and multiple National Guard units are moving toward Washington as we speak, replied General Brown. Another courier from the communications office knocked and entered. Madam President, a message from General Corbain, the commanding general of the West Virginia National Guard, handing the message to the President, waiting in at attention for a reply. Looking at the message, President Parker read it to General Brown. The 11th Armored Brigade has liberated Rockville, Maryland. There have been mass casualties among the police and the civilians. There were minimal casualties among the military. Most of the terrorists have been killed and few have been taken prisoner. Lieutenant, give me the current information on the other three towns occupied by the enemy. Yes, ma'am, answered the lieutenant. He then turned and left the room to carry out his orders. It looks like things are coming back from the brink, President Parker said as she returned to her study of the intel photos. At the same time, as another courier from the communication center knocked and walked into the office, Mike Bender also came in. Before the courier could speak anything, Mike stepped up to the president and said quietly in her ear, Madam President, could I have a moment alone? Give us the room, the president said. General Brown and the courier stepped out of the room. Please close the door, the president said as General Brown stepped out. Once the door was closed, the president asked, all right, Mike, what is it? There's a radio station in Janesville, Wisconsin, that's reporting that Speaker Bryan is alive and being held incommunicado. The governor of Wisconsin is saying the same thing, said Mike. Without hesitation, she responded, on my direct authority, order the Wisconsin National Guard to arrest the governor and hold him in isolation, and order the Wisconsin state police to shut that radio station down. Madam President, Do you really think that the American people are going to stand for all this? Mike, you're either with me or you're against me. Which is it? I'm with you, Madam President. I just thought you might want to take a moment to think about all this before it gets completely out of hand. The president looked Mike in the eye and said, There's nothing to think about, Mike. We're under attack. There are savages holding American territory in the middle of our own capital. They've killed our president and almost our entire command and control, both civilian and military. I'm taking the actions that will restore our control over our own territory, and I'm moving to destroy these ISIS animals for once and for all. I have no doubt that the American people will stand behind what I've done. But, Madam President, the line of succession is clear, and it's black-letter law. Narrowing her gaze, President Parker said... We need victory at any cost. We cannot afford to waver or falter by one iota in the face of this cowardly and unprovoked attack. I'm not about to stand down and cause even more confusion by trying to explain what I've done or allow these political hacks to step in and foul things up. It's because of them that we're in this situation to begin with. So Mike, this is the last time I'm going to say this. You're either with me, or you're against me. Which is it, Mike? What are you going to do? Are you going to do your job, or does somebody else need to do it? Mike had been with Patricia Parker since they were in the military together, and he was her adjutant. He followed her into civilian life in the corporate world, and then into politics. For more than 20 years, he had been her right-hand man, and no matter what his qualms, was not about to leave her side now. I'm with you, Madam President. I'll convey your orders to the Wisconsin National Guard, and to the state police immediately. Good. I knew you wouldn't leave me, Mike. We've got a war to win, so let's get it going. Yes, ma'am, Mike said as he walked to the door and opened it to leave. Mike, tell General Brown to come back and send in the runner from the communications center, added the president as she turned back to study the maps and pictures on the conference table. Yes, ma'am. General Brown re-entered, followed by two runners from the communications center. As the general joined the president at the table, the two runners handed their messages to the president. One said, Maryland National Guard report that both Calverton and Bristol have been secured. Units are helping with relief and rescue in those locations. Other units are moving toward Washington. The other said, The Virginia National Guard report that the enemy troops in Vienna have been neutralized and several brigades have been dispatched to Washington. Dismissed, said the president. Both runners left the room. Then she continued. General, this thing is pulling together. Another runner stuck his head in the door and said, President, the commanding general of the Washington assaults is on the horn. Line one. General, put him on speaker, President Parker said. Grabbing a phone off his desk and placing it in the middle of the big conference table, General Brown, intimately familiar with the equipment in what had been his office for several years, pushed a button. And instantly, they were connected. General, this is President Parker. What's happening on the ground in Washington? Ma'am, this is General Stamper at Walter Reed. We have an armored brigade of the West Virginia National Guard. They're actively engaging the enemy and making steady progress. At Adventist Healthcare, my joint task force of Delta Force and SEALs are spearheading the assault, and they're fighting room to room, taking back the buildings. At St. Elizabeth. The attacking force is made up of Washington PD, Washington F.D., and civilians. I've appointed a fireman with military experience as a colonel and given her overall command of the battle there. These Minute Men have taken the perimeter of the complex without any help, and now that the Apaches have arrived, they're storming the buildings. At the Virginia Hospital Center, a network of militia groups from Virginia have assaulted the complex. Their leader is a 20-year vet. I've appointed him a colonel and given him command of the battle there. Good work, General. We have multiple resources on the way to you. Whatever they are and whoever is in command, as soon as they enter D.C., they are under your command. I don't give a damn about seniority or rank. You're in command of D.C. These orders have been transmitted from here. But if anyone gives you any crap, you tell them to contact General Ed Brown. Yes, ma'am. Keep the pressure on the enemy and take back the capital. Yes, ma'am. The president reached out and hung up the phone. Madam President, I have to ask you a question, said General Brown. Without looking up from the intel pictures, President Parker said, what is it, General? Ma'am, I've been told that you are holding the Speaker of the House in custody. Is that true? Standing erect and looking the general dead in the eye, the president said, that is true. He didn't surface until after I was sworn in and had taken command here at Fort Huachuca i had already made my appointments to command and started the offensive it is my opinion that once the oath of office has been taken and ha- the office has been filled In addition, I didn't think the country needed another breaking command in one day. So I ordered the speaker held in protective custody until this crisis is over. The general just stood there looking at the woman he'd been obeying and working with for most of the day. The woman he had believed was the legally designated president of the United States. The look on his face was one of confusion and worry. General, this crisis was caused by the political class that has seized power in this country. Through a combination of voter fraud and voter apathy, and gerrymandering. These progressive hacks have ignored the public against the advice of anyone who loves America and wants to keep it the number one nation on earth. They imported these terrorists. They have sacrificed our best and brightest on the altar of their vanities and battles around the world. They start and won't allow us to finish. I have no intention of handing over power to the very people who have brought this hell upon us. Taking a step towards the general, she continued, If you think you should remove me from power and surrender this battle on the verge of victory, go ahead and release the author of the great betrayal and watch as he tries to negotiate his way out. Out of it. Knowing that his next step would define the rest of his life and career, General Brown thought about what he should say. General, you are either with me or against me. Which is it, the president said. Madam President, I agree with you. Once the oath of office has been given, you entered into the office, and I also agree that the country does not need and cannot endure another change in leadership in the midst of this crisis. Moving forward, as if they hadn't just faced and passed a crucial moment in the nation's history. President Parker ordered her chairman of the Joint Chiefs, have the enemy prisoners handed over to the Defense Intelligence Agency, ASAP. I want any actionable information we can gain any way we can get it. Nothing is off the table. Get those jihadis talking before another shoe drops. Another runner from the communication center knocked at the door and entered. General Brown, we have an urgent message from the Division Chief of the Border Patrol in Arizona, handing him the message. Reading aloud, the President shared the message with the President. To General Ed Brown, commanding Fort Huachuca. General, a large force of ISIS terrorists, cartel battle formations, MS-13 gangs, and what can only be described as either Mexican army units or terrorists dressed in Mexican uniforms with heavy weapons and vehicles from the Mexican army have broken through the border east of Nogales. They wiped out our border guards, the police officers and sheriff deputies who were helping us hold them back. And they are heading in your direction. They number at least 10,000 strong. You have military-grade weapons, military vehicles including armored cars, more than a dozen tanks, and at least six M110 self-prepared howitzers from Division Chief. Thomas Seeker. Looking at each other, neither said a word for a moment. Then the president asked, have any of the guard units arrived here yet? A few small ones have straggled in, none with armor. We'll be hard-pressed to withstand a full assault. We just don't have that many troops. Most of our personnel are specialists and command officers, General Brown answered. Contact General Shevitsky at Davis Mountain Air Force Base. Tell them to send enough fighters to annihilate these gate crashers, said the president. Ma'am, if they are moving forward at full speed, they could be on top of us in less than an hour. We could be in range of those M110 self propelled howitzers in 10 to 15 minutes, which will be long before the Air Force is on top of them. By the time the Air Force gets here, we could be overrun. I guess we will just have to brace for impact, keep our heads down, and do our job then. Send all personnel not involved here in command and control to the southern perimeter. I mean cooks, MPs, secretaries, anybody and everybody who can carry a gun order the president. General Brown admired the courage and decisiveness of the new commander in chief, and he realized that whether or not she was going to remain president when this was all over, she was certainly the president of America needed right now. However, as her only military advisor, he felt duty-bound to give her cautionary counsel. Madam President, this location could become completely untenable very quickly. I have to counsel that we withdraw immediately up Highway 90 and take I-10. We should be able to stay out of range until the Air Force can deal with these Raiders. General, America has been knocked back on our heels, but I'll be damned if the President of the United States is gonna turn tail and run from Mexican bandits and ISIS scum on American soil. I won't hear of it. We will soldier on and let the Air Force take these invaders out. Yes, ma'am, said General Brown as he prepared to stand beside the woman he had gambled his career on, the only person he believed had a chance of salvaging this situation and writing America's listing ship of state. Pivoting back To where she was before the latest runner brought news of the Mexican invasion, President Parker said to her personal assistant, Mike, get in touch with whoever is holding those prisoners and tell them they have my authorization to use any means necessary to get them talking ASAP. I want some intel about what is going on in those buildings.
0: Thank you, Robert, for that. And uh, thank you all for listening being a part of this with us today whatever the day is (laughs) the time, wherever you are that's the other amazing thing about technology gee many anyway, it's been a great time with you and uh, I just want to remind you again go to paradoxshop.com to find our artwork we don't have our pottery up there yet but we will right now it's just paintings and again have a marvelous, prosperous, safe Jesus filled
1: 2024. Oh, amen. Amen. Have a great day. Bye bye. I took the right turn.